You're listening to teaching from Central Church in West Columbia, South Carolina. We hope that this message will help you experience Jesus in a new and exciting way. For more information, please visit us at centralnazarene.org. And um, I, I'm so glad that we do Thanksgiving uh, at least uh, once a year. You know, we, we focus on that. We make that a matter of attention. Uh, we probably could do that once a quarter. It wouldn't hurt. You know, I could, I could eat turkey and ham and cranberry dressing and, you know, mashed potatoes and green beans and, you know, pecan pie and pumpkin pie. I mean, I could do that four times a year. Easy. And uh, uh, so I'm glad that we have Thanksgiving. I, I'm really looking forward to it. I hope that you are too. And I have no idea what maybe what some of your schedules will be, whether you have family coming in or whether you're going somewhere. Um, uh, but I just enjoy that meal, and I don't, I, I, I stay just past the line of gluttony. I try to know where that line is, you know, and not go there. I may tip, I may put a toe across that line, but I try not to go, you know, so, but you have all day. You don't have to eat it all at one time, at least that's what I'm hoping. You know, I love those, uh, you know, you have lunch, and, and it's you know, around, you know, around 12 o'clock, so you're going to have that meal, maybe one or two, depending on the family and all the arrangements that you make, but... No, you don't have to eat it all at one time. And uh, I like going back for that second and that third piece of pumpkin pie. You know, or, or pecan. And you know, around 6 o'clock at night, you know, when the second football game is, you know, you're into that, all the ladies said amen. Uh, you know, you go get that extra piece of turkey and some leftover squash casserole. I'm just, you know, I'm just helping you this morning. I'm just trying to share and uh, I, totally, I totally enjoy the day. It's, it's just a wonderful time of year. So I hope that you make the best of it and you totally get to enjoy it. And it's very appropriate that we have a uh, Thanksgiving. I'm glad that it, it, was, it was begun. And, and so we need to con- continue it. I want to read you a, uh, a passage of Scripture which you'll be familiar with. It comes out of the book of Philippians. And it's uh, Philippians chapter 2 and starting at verse 14. Here we go. Do everything without grumbling or arguing. Do how many things? I'm sorry, what did you say? That's hard to do. Do everything, except what irritates you. Do everything without grumbling or arguing. Could I get an amen? Could I get a hallelujah? Could I get an ouch? So that you may become blameless and pure. Wow. (laughs) This is the word of the Lord. So that you can be blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked world or generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life, which is the word of the Lord. And then I will be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain. But even if I am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. Now, I don't know what you've been going through this week. I don't know for all that... uh, that has transpired in your life in, you know, the last six or eight months. 
but I, I'm, I'm guessing you probably haven't been in a Roman jail. I'm, I'm just guessing. It's probably true. I'm guessing that, that you haven't had to sleep on a stone slab. Just perchance. I'm guessing you haven't been on a stone slab. I'm guessing that your food hasn't been rationed. Anybody? Should have been? Okay, we'll go with that. Should have been. Someone should have said that's enough. You know? No, you can't have thirds. Um, Paul writes this letter in a Roman jail, in chains. And he writes... In a Roman jail, now you have to Google that. I wish I could paint a picture, you know. But I'm, I'm assuming you've seen enough movies, you've seen some pictures. You have a kind of an idea what that looked like. It was dungeon-esque. And he, in the middle of that, he writes, Do everything without grumbling and arguing, so that you might become blameless and pure, pure, pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. I don't know, well, I do kind of know what it is, but there's something that's innate in us. Innate means like we're born with it. That we, our, our, our mode of operation, our default system, unless we are well-trained, unless we are well-disciplined, is that we fall into uh, the mode of complaining. It's just kind of human nature. We, uh, I've illustrated that before by uh, like a dot on the wall. You may have a whole wall of white wall, but there might be a dot of about uh, the size of a quarter or a nickel or a dime on the wall, and your eye immediately goes to that black dot on that wall. And instead of thanking God for the whole white wall, we focus on the dot on the wall. It's just part of our thinking, I don't know, and we need to correct that. There's something about the way our minds work under the curse is that we tend to fall uh, into that way, way of being. And we can develop, I don't, I don't know if we have to develop, I think it just comes with the territory, but we can fall into the pattern or the habit of grumbling and complaining. And that's what we do. <clears throat> with so much of life, we just fall into a pattern of grumbling and complaining about whatever it is. And, and that makes a difference in the world. It makes a difference in life. It makes a difference about, about how life is lived. And it is an ineffective way of living life in a holistic kind of way. But what's more important than that, that life itself just being kind of skewed and marred and not happy, is that God takes that very seriously. Now, this has not been hammered away at enough at us. God, I didn't say, you know, I don't know who might come to your mind, but God takes a, a, a spirit or an attitude or a mind of, uh, of lack, of grumbling, and of complaining. He takes it deathly serious. I mean, He really does. You, I don't know what I need to do. I'm not going to jump on that order again. But it needs to get deeply ingrained into our mind that God takes grumbling and He takes complaining and He takes a spirit of, of lack very seriously. He takes it deathly seriously. And we need to take that seriously. We generally often overlook that. 
when we, when we fall into a pattern, when we fall into a habit of, um, of, of negativity and of complaining or of lack or of despair, it is from a spirit that is very akin to the works of the flesh, which leads to death. So you really, really need to own that and think in a very intentional way about your mindset and about your, your frame of mind, your, the, the way that you look at the world. Uh, and a, 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 an analogy that is often made is when you look at the world, when you look at a glass, do you see the glass as half full or is it half empty? <clears throat> it's the same glass, it's the same amount, you can just look at it in a different kind of way. So do you tend to look at the glass and you just despair because it's half empty or do you look at the glass and thank God at least it's half full? Now, I'm not saying that just to blow hot air. Do you, what do you actually see? It's an important question because it will shape the world in which you live in. And, and how you live in the world will affect how everyone else around you has to deal with, with you in their world. <coughs> You don't mind. <coughs> I'll try to back there. So if I knew a cough is coming on, um, there's some in my office. In the if you can't find any in my office in the uh, back behind my chair. Yeah. <clears throat> When I say that God takes it uh, very seriously, all you have to do is look in the Old Testament. And I'm not going to spend much time there other than to point it out, is that uh, uh, when I said that God takes it deathly serious, you'll see why in just a minute. When, when, when the children of Israel were being delivered out of Egypt and they were doing their wilderness wandering, and one of the reasons why they were doing their wilderness wandering is because they would not follow through on God's instruction. So they did a lot of wandering. Not like wandering at the sky, but moving around the desert rather than going on into the promised land as God had instructed them to do. So every one of them, see there's consequences about that. Every one of them, except Joshua and Caleb, every one of them perished in the wilderness. <clears throat> so how you live, how you process life, what attitude you face life with will affect the outcome of your life. It's not just happenstance. It's not just because it just happened that way. It's because you thought of it. In large measure, it's, it's because you thought of it that way. I have an awesome wife, by the way. She does whatever I tell her to do. <laughs> I didn't need to say that yet. So, so it's very, very important. In fact, I'm just going to give you two, two verses in Exodus chapter 16 and verse 11. Now listen to this. So, so uh, uh, God has done some powerful things. You have the ten plagues. You have the ten plagues of Egypt. And, and they are startling in and of themselves. I mean, they're just amazing things. And especially the last one is like life-shattering. So he does that. He leads them out of slavery. He's with them with a strong hand, an outstretched arm. The Red Sea is split and they walk across on dry land. He's done some amazing things. And, and he's, leading them, he's leading them to the promised land. But along the way, life is hard. 
Could I get an amen? amen? Along the way, life is hard. Can I say it again? Along the way of life toward the promised land, life is hard. And it was hard on these Hebrews. Even though God was with them and He was doing mighty deeds, walking through the wilderness is not a picnic. See, sometimes we just pass over that. We act like that didn't happen. It did happen. How would you like... I mean, I don't even like walking from my house to the grocery store, which I've done one time in four years, because it's more than a couple of miles. It might be two miles. But I don't like doing that. One, to, one time, Vicki had the great idea, let's just walk to the grocery store. And I said, yeah, let's don't. <laughs> but, you know, it's just persuasive. It was a beautiful day. And as we were walking about one mile ago, you know, you know we've got to walk this mile back. We go hiking. It's like beautiful. I said, you know, every step we take, we have to walk that back. So I remind her about that about every 50 yards. So, so even walking in the park, you still have to do the walking. So you're tired, you're weary, you're walking. See, I want you to think seriously about their journey. They, they didn't know where their food was coming from. They didn't, they didn't, they were in the wilderness. It's called a wilderness because there's not much water there. They wondered, were they going to starve to death? Were they, were they going to uh, die of thirst? See, God didn't always have water for them at the moment they wanted it. And every time, their clothes were ragged and torn. Their, their shoes were wearing out. This is real stuff. It's like your car won't start. You get sick. You catch the flu. You know, the furnace breaks down. You know, you're serving God and your neighbor gets mad at you. Your lawnmower won't work. So all along the way, I mean, they're living this life. They're walking with God. They're in the wilderness. They're wandering toward the... And life is hard. But what happened is, <clears throat> this is important, and you need to listen to this and, and try to get a, grap, a grip on your own mind. They grumbled every step of the way. Well, it was hard. They had justifiable reasons, if there were justifiable reasons, to complain. Walking through the wilderness for 40 years is hard. There's, there's, there's lions, there's scorpions, there's heat, there's, there's cold. And they, you know, you ever gone camping? You have to set that camp up. You, I mean... Sometimes you have to go gather firewood. You have to build a fire. You have to hope it don't rain. Sometimes it rains. By the way, that's the last time I went camping in a tent anyway. It rained. It was all beautiful. It was a great romantic idea. And someone said, let's go camping. I said, okay, let's do. Mistake. So we get there. The beautiful you know, summer evening. 75 degrees, there's a river, you know, it's just outside of the mountains, and you start a fire, so, you know, someone likes the grill, the smell of hamburgers and hot dogs, you know, you got the coleslaw already there, you got buns, and you got some cookies, and man, it's just great, you hear the rustling river, you smell that smoke from the grill, where the grease from the, the hamburgers are dropping on the coals, am I helping you? And that's all beautiful, that's great, it's like, man, I'm so glad we came. But about two in the morning, there's this. That was my sound effect for thunder. 
And you hear that off in the distance. You go, I hope that stays way over there. But it didn't. It came right over top of me. And for about a half hour, it was just a deluge. Everything, everything was soaking wet. So everything went in the trash. And that's the last time I went camping. In a tent. Camping is hard. Walking through the wilderness. Life can be very difficult. But the difference is, how do you face those difficulties? Because it makes a difference on how you'll live that life and... More importantly, it makes a difference on God's attitude about you. That's the most important part. And, it, and God does have an attitude about you. I don't know if you know that or not. He's a real, he's a real person. We are like Him. He, we are made in His image. He thinks and He feels and He has emotions. That's, how we, that's why we do. It's not anthropomorphic to throw you a word. If you let the scriptures speak for themselves and, and who he is. So he has a way of thinking about you and feeling about you. So as they're traveling through the wilderness journey and they're complaining every step of the way, it's, I'm tired of this path. I'm tired of packing up every single... Why can't we stay here for several months? I don't want to pack up. I'm tired of packing up. I'm tired of not knowing where the water is. I'm tired of not knowing where we're going to get food. And you know what God said? The Lord said to Moses, Exodus 16, 11, I'm hearing their grumbling. I have heard their grumbling. In, uh, in Numbers chapter 17 and 5, the Lord said to Moses, I'm just going to get rid of this grumbling. <laughs> if God says I'm going to get rid of this grumbling, you better duck, duck. I'm telling you, God takes that kind of disposition. Okay, are y'all paying attention? This is serious business. God takes that kind of disposition very seriously. And he reacts to it. He has things set up in the, in the, in the, in the created order that afflict that kind of thinking. Hello? Hello? It's like built into the, the DNA of, of the cosmos. I'll say more about that in a, min, in a minute. Their circumstances were real. But when we give way, when we give way to a negative frame of mind, and that's what it is. It's a negative frame of mind. That's why the Bible says, guard your heart and mind. Set your things on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father. Set your mind there. Because if you look down here, you're, you're going to get, it's going to be tough. You have to view the present moment through the promise of God. Because if you focus on the present moment, it's going to be difficult. Your faith will wane. Your heart will waver. So you have to keep your mind set up on the Lord. And so when you give way to griping and complaining and murmuring and those kinds of things, it is unfaith. It, they, are, they are dispositions of unfaith, of untrusting, of lack, of not trusting. That's what that is. Seriously, please listen to me. When, you, when, you, when your spirit gives way to that, you have moved from faith to unfaith. From trust to untrusting. To, to confidence to not confidence. 
to contentment to discontentment. It's not good. It's not good for you. It's not good for your home. It's not good for the church. It's not good anywhere. Thank you for the amens. It's not, it's not of faith. It's, it's not of hope. And it's not of love. It destroys the three great things. Faith, hope, and love. Think about that. So, so you really have to do the battle for the mind. And keep your mind set upon the Lord. So that, because the indication is, by the scriptures, is that God takes a, 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 a murmuring or a grumbling kind of spirit very, very seriously. And it's not child play. It's the real deal. James, the brother of the Lord, said this. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way. <laughs> when, not if. When troubles of any kind. What is any kind? Any kind. Troubles of any kind come your way. Consider it an opportunity of great joy. James, seriously? Who would say that? The brother of Jesus? <laughs> yes. And you know how James died? James died when a certain set of Jews went to the top of the, uh, took him to the top of the uh, tabern, uh, temple and threw him off. And his bones, his body hit the ground. An opportunity for great joy. Not like, <laughs> it's been a rough Lord. It's been a rough life. But by the grace of God, I'm going to make it. That's not great joy. Now you might feel like that, but you have to replace that thought with a higher thought. Thanks be to God. The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. See, you've got to change your mindset. Only you can do that. You listening to God can do that. But if you will do that, the, it'll change. <clears throat> well, let me say that differently. You will change. The circumstance may be the same, but you will change. For you know that when you're... Now I'm reading James again. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. I'm still reading James. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Nothing will move you. Isn't that awesome? And you will need nothing. Well, life would be better if I just had a different neighbor. Or life would be better if I had a different job. Well, life would be better and you name it. No, it won't because you'll still be there. So we're, 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 you, we're, whoever you are is wherever you go. I just made that up. That's pretty good. <laughs> it's like my daddy said, Brent, if things weren't like they were, they'd be different. <laughs> that's pretty good right there now verse 12 of that same James chapter 1 I, was re I read you 2 through 4 verse 12 says this now listen to this God blesses 
those. That means he doesn't bless everyone. Like Tiny Tim, God blesses everyone. Well, he don't bless everyone. He doesn't bless everyone. Now, he causes it to rain on the just and the unjust. But when it says God blesses, that's a specific act. God blesses those who patiently, patiently suggest that there's some perseverance and some endurance involved. You don't have to exercise patience because everything's brought to you and you're not waiting. I, I hate lines, like standing in line. I, I don't like that. I love, I love uh, uh, I know I'm meddling, but <clears throat> I'm just confessing too. I, I love uh, 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 Chick-fil-A peach milkshakes, but I allow myself about two per year because I can't endure standing in the line. So I just drive on by. Thank you, Chick-fil-A, for helping me say no. They got two lines. <laughs> it's so bad now they have two or three lines. It's worth the wait. Now I tell you what, somebody, either the devil or God, I ain't quite figured it out, introduced me to the peppermint milkshake at Chick-fil-A. Now what am I going to do? I, just, I did just have a summertime vice. Now I got a Christmas time vice that I have to say no to. Not to mention... That's right. <clears throat> That's right. Okay, so I, I said it was deathly serious. This is what Paul writes to the Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 10. You can look it up. Do not grumble. Imperative. Don't do it. Find another way to express it. But don't do it in a grumbling way. Do not grumble as some of them, the Hebrew children wandering in the wilderness, don't do what they did, and they were killed by a destroying angel sent from God. We don't like to hear that kind of stuff. <clears throat> that's, that's hard for contemporary ears to hear. I mean, that's pretty serious. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 14, which I read to you all ago, do everything without arguing or complaining. Do you know when, when you complain, <clears throat> I've said this once before, but it's bare, it bears repeating, is that, is that the, when you complain, what happens, science tells us, medical, the medical community tells us, is that when you, when you have a, uh, a negative frame of mind, what happens is when, see, when you think of thought, things happen in your body. And I don't know enough about all that to, to go into there, but when you think things, things happen in your body. For instance, like if you think you're afraid, your body releases hormones to help you get away from whatever it is you're afraid, afraid of. So you can act, so you can move. So it releases uh, uh, elements that you need. That's probably not the technically right word, not elements, but it may include elements, to act to get away from whatever it is that you're afraid of. But when, so when you worry, I read from a medical doctor, that there is a, a hormone called cortisol. Now, I don't know what that is, but what happens is that it's released into your body because you're, nothing may be happening, but your mind, your mind is dwelt on that, so your body is responding to your mind, so it releases this hormone. But what happens is that it's intended for you to act on whatever it is that you're thinking about, but you don't act on it, you just dwell on it. You just dwell on it. But your body, your mind, I understand, doesn't make a distinction between what you're going to do and what you're thinking about. So it releases the, cortis, the, the cortisol, which... which uh, uh, makes you more susceptible to high cholesterol levels, 
which leads to diabetes, which leads to heart, di uh, uh, heart uh, disease, which can lead to obesity and vulnerability to stroke. That's just from thinking in a negative frame of mind. So when we fall into complaining, it's a character thing. Character is so important. And, and we all need to dwell, to walk, to, 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 uh, to develop, nurture, build up our character. I want to skip some stuff. Okay, I, I think I got this from Buddy Brian. Zig Ziglar said, you can complain because roses have thorns. Or you can be grateful because thorns come with roses. That's pretty good right there. So, I'm going to try to bring this, wrap this up. Now, I, 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 I sincerely believe this. We're, we're spiritual creatures on a temporal journey. We are, we are spiritual creatures on a temporal journey, meaning we are spirit. The essence of who we are is spirit and life given by God. But we live in a, a material earthly journey. And, and, and they, they, work, they work together. And when I give place to a spirit of, of murmuring and complaining and griping and discontent and anger and resentment and any of those other kind of things, <clears throat> it affects me in deep and powerful ways. You ever notice the countenance of anyone that is expressing that? It's not like, hey, how are you doing today? It's not that. It's like, I'm, 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 I'm murmuring. And I hope that you'll have a visual of your spirit. Now see, it's just a jar of clay, but what's animating that jar of clay is my inner being. Now, now, now pay, help me pay, pay attention. Your actual spirit that is actually you that animates the, jaw, the tabernacle you're living in is actually turned into a... And that's who you are. You want to be that? No one wants to be that. If you could see it, if God would open your eyes, like you're just like really ticked off and somebody's really just really irritated you and things just have not gotten right. And man, you're just like under your breath and you're just like, oh. And all of a sudden, God could, you could walk by in front of a mirror and God give you spiritual eyes and you'd see yourself. It would probably scare you to death to see what you're morphing into. <clears throat> On the converse... On the converse, on the opposite side, if you don't give place to that kind of spirit or that kind of disposition or that kind of attitude and your eyes are fixed on God and although all the way around you the waves are tossing and you kept your eyes fixed on Jesus, when all around my soul gives way, I don't look at him in despair and begin to grumble because no one likes me and everything is unfair and and this and that and the other. But yeah, I keep my eyes on Jesus and I give thanks to God. My, my inner being, who I am, 
The scripture says, and I just read it to you out of Philippians, Paul says, begins to radiate like the stars. Now, if I was up there, I might jump over that altar right then. I, I, felt, I felt it, but I was up there, so I'm safe. See, see, it's just outside of our view. It's just beyond our fingertips, so we don't see it. But see, like if you are that person, because see, life is unfair. People don't treat you with the dignity that they should. They're not as attentive. They don't value as the value that you actually are. Only Jesus does that. God does that. Others don't. But if your eyes is fixed on the one who is your treasure and treasures you, then whatever else is going on is, is just so much distraction. But your life itself, because you don't give place to that. See, if, you, if, you, if you're negative, if you're grumbling, if you're complaining, if your spirit is distorted because you've given place to that, then you're spilling that out. <laughs> How you doing, Francis? I try not to spit when I did that. So you're spilling that out. You walk in the house. Does that help? You're spilling that out. So everybody's got to go. Oh, you know? That's why when you walk in, everybody, I'm going outside for a while. Because you're just throwing up on everybody. Who wants to be around that? Well, nobody. Nobody. But if you come in, singing I go on life's road, praising the Lord. The boss almost fired me today, but Jesus loves me. Hallelujah. Singing I go on life's road, praising the Lord, praising the Lord. Y'all don't even know that song. You did? Don't sing them anymore. <laughs> A lot of songs we don't sing anymore. Uh, but you yourself become a light shining in a dark place. You know what? People see that. People see that. And they take notice of it and they go, what kind of person is that? Who is that? Who acts like that when things are going crazy? Someone is rooted and grounded in Christ Jesus and keeps their eyes fixed on him. Now I'm going to say one more thing. I think I'm going to wrap up. Okay. Now I don't understand this. I'm not even sure if I even know if I believe this. So I'm confessing that straight out to you. Because it's, it's, I haven't studied it. Some of you may have. So you can, you can educate me. But I, I'm not a student of quantum uh, physics. Don't act so surprised. I'm not a student of, of quantum physics. But I have looked at a few videos, and I've, I've read a few articles and a few things, and so I don't, I, that's why I don't understand it. But they say at the quantum level that everything is in vibration. Everything. Everything is, is a certain frequency of vibration. Everything. The cells in your body, the components of the cells of your body, to the smallest, smallest component that exists in the universe. And I think there's a theory called the string theory that everything is, is, is that. And it's just arranged and put together and... And, and so your whole body is a system of vibrating. I'm glad we can't see that. That'd be kind of messed up. But your whole, your whole system, the whole, the whole creation is, is in a certain level of vibration. Now, I'm just telling you, this is what I read. I'm not sure what to believe about it. But that 
and I, 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 fact, I think I have the book in my library, that, that a, a, a Japanese scientist um, even wrote the words, put them on a piece of paper, and uh, attached it to a, a bottle of water, took a droplet, and uh, got a droplet of that water that had the label on it. The label might be bitterness. And he put that on a, a, uh, a slide, a glass slide, flash froze it, and looked at the image under a microscope. And the flash frozen water is all, is, is, you can look it up. You can, there's, there's Google images of it. Is, is distorted, different, uh, different points of angles, uh, half of it not developed, and those kinds of things. However, what he put on words like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, and those kinds of things. They came out these symmetrically, absolutely, perfectly, beautifully image of ice crystals. And that's just putting the words on a glass of water, taking a tincture, putting a drop on a piece of glass, and flash freezing it. Now, there's, there's levels of, 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 of our existence that we don't understand. That's for sure. If that happens, if that's true, and I mean, there's whole books on it. You can research it. Imagine what that is, what's going on at this level of consciousness that you and I have and the spirit beings that we are. If we let anything other than the mind of Christ shape our being, what is being released in the world? Now here's the thing, and this is where I, I think it's my last couple sentences. There are, are positive energies and there's negative energies. We know that from electricity. There's positive energies and, and negative ones. So, if you are vibrating, your whole system is vibrating and your thoughts are, are kind of like controlling that. And you're vibrating at a negative frequency. The frequencies attract like frequencies. Okay, you still, you still hanging in there? So, if I am in a negative frame of mind, and I'm spilling that out into the universe, guess what's being attracted to me? Negativity, disruption, brokenness, unpeace, unlove, unjoy. But if I let joy, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, meekness, temperance, self-control, that's hard not to shout right there. Shape who I am. I'm sending that, my, my being is sending that out to you. You know, you said, I send love to you. You ever said it in a letter? I'm sending you my love. Well, you're doing that. You're doing that. When they open that letter, they're sending me my love. That's going to be felt different than, I can't stand you. You're literally going to feel different. These are real things. That's why God says, I'm going to have to just take you out because you're just too negative. I mean, that's what he told Moses about some of them, not you, not me. Pray to God. So why do you want to spill out into the world?
What do you want to attract to yourself? What kind of world do you want to live in? Well, I read this story. This, that wasn't the last of my sermon. This is just the closing illustration. But it's short. Um, a missionary team from North Carolina, a mission team went to North Carolina to one of the Caribbean islands where there was a, 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 um, a community of lepers. Now, this isn't back in biblical days. This was not that long ago. And they went to serve this community, this leper community that was in, in one of the Caribbean islands, and they had a campus, and there was a Christian organization there, and they, they fed them, and they housed them, and they tried to take care of them. And so this team from North Carolina went to this mission uh, area to serve for a week like we have working witness. And they go there, and they, they work on buildings, and they paint buildings, and they clean up grounds, and they do everything they know to do. But in the, in the morning and in the evening, they have a chapel, and they have a service. And um, so the lepers would all come in, and the workers, everybody would come in, and they would sing, and they would do this. Now, there was the last service. And uh, the song leader was up leading the music, and um, they had a little time. They thought, well, you know, let's just let's take some requests. Is anybody, you know, they had sung some songs, and they said, is anybody have a, a song that's just on your heart that you'd like to sing. And one of the leaders had noticed there was one leper that came in. They always came in late. And they would always take their chair and they would turn it around and face the back. So he always saw this person facing backward. Everybody else was facing forward. This person was facing backward. So finally, on this last night, it says, anybody have a song request that we'll just sing. We'll just sing it together. So this particular leper turned around for the first time in that almost week period of time. And there was no ears. The ears had rotted off. There were no lips. The lips had rotted off. There was no formed nose. There was just a hole there in their face. And they raised their hand. And when they raised their hand, there was no hand there. It was just a nub. And it was a woman completely disfigured by leprosy. And she said, I have a song request. Can we sing Count Your Blessings? Can we sing Count Your Blessings? And the workers all turned to see who said that, what you would normally do. When somebody speaks out, you look to see who said it. And for a while, there was just Silence. No one could say anything, much less speak. Here said a woman, ravaged by disease, lived being totally taken care of, had no job, had no money, lived on the generosity of other human beings, who raised a stub and said, can we sing, count your blessings? When upon life's billows you are tempest-tossed, when you are discouraged, thinking all is lost, count your many blessings, Name them one by one. And it will amaze you. It will surprise you. You will see what the Lord has done. Count your blessings. Name them one by one. Count your blessings. See what God has done. Count your blessings. Name them one by one. And it will amaze you. It will surprise you what the Lord has done. Let's stand, because if I don't have you stand, I'll think of something else to say.
which I just did, which is why I had you stand. Remember the story of the ten lepers? Almost preached on that this week, but I, I went another direction. But it, it, it dawned on me, you know, the nine were healed. None of them were. All, all of them were healed. But only one returned. You know why he returned? The reason he came to thank God is he saw it. When he saw that he was healed, he recognized the source of his healing. And with gratitude and gratefulness, he came and knelt in worship and gave thanks. You say you don't have much worship going on in your life? Maybe you should take stock of where you're looking. Because if you will begin to count the things that God has done... Now, life is hard. Life is unfair. It can be very difficult. But God is good, and He is good all the time. And if you will look at Him and give thanks to Him for what He has done in the midst of your trial and your circumstance, He sees that. And you know what it says of Jesus... And Jesus blessed him. There it was. A whoop, a jump, a holler. There it was. Wasn't it a blessing that they all got healed? Yes. But it says when Jesus looked at him and blessed him and sent him on his way. See, I'll make you shout right there. I want to live in such a way. I want to live in such a way. So Jesus looks at me and says... Thanks for trusting me. Even when life is hard, and it was hard, it was not fair. You were not treated fairly, but you trusted me anyway. I'm going to bless you. Sing this with me. Count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your blessings, see what God has done. There you go. Name them. And it will surprise you what the Lord has done. I thought you guys would know that better than that. You got a different version. It's my fault. <laughs> well, you got the point. It's like my mama says. You know what I meant, not what I said. Lord... Here we stand, and it's a great Thanksgiving week. And we want to be people full of praise and thanksgiving to God. You're an amazing God, and you provide for us. Even when we're not even asking, you still provide. You still give. You still lead. You, you still bless. You have rescued us out of darkness and transformed us, and we're no longer sons and daughters of the darkness. We're children of the light, adopted sons and daughters of God. If that was all that you did would be more than enough to live a life of praise and thanksgiving to God and of worship. So may our worship be beautiful before you, O Lord, as we live our life, whatever it is that we're doing. May it be beautiful before you, we pray and ask it in Jesus' name. The Lord be with you. The Lord bless you. May you have a great Thanksgiving week in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us at Central Church today. If you'd like to get involved, please visit us at centralnazarene.org.